Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast in association with Viber Goalkeeping. Today's guest is a player who moved from his home comforts in Poland as a teenager, moving to the Northeast to carve out a career as a professional goalkeeper and is currently having an outstanding season north of the border here for Livingston in Scotland. Welcome to the show, Max Dreyek. How are you doing, Max? Are you well? Welcome, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm pretty well. Thank you. Good. I'm pleased to hear that because obviously... Uh, both of us have connections with Sunderland, but we're both currently living in Scotland. Every interview, I suppose, starts at the same way at the moment, unfortunately. But I have to ask, how are you finding lockdown and being stuck in the house? Before, I don't know. I think I find it's helpful for my career. and so I can focus more on, on watching other teams. I can focus uh, 100% on, uh, on football. And it doesn't really affect me that much because... Uh, as a footballer, you want to rest. You want to basically give your hundred percent at the time. So I think lockdown helps helps people with that. Of course, there is some other social uh, social uh, things which you can't do. As for example, I can't take my girlfriend to a restaurant or whatever we want to do. But on the other side, you can do it. Just have to live with it. Yeah, of course. And it feels like it's gone on longer than any of us would want to. But you said before, I believe you, you live with your girlfriend and you've both moved to, to Scotland. You'll be living, are you in Livingston, Glasgow? Or? Yeah, we live in Livingston, yeah. Perfect. How are you finding the city? Because it's got a, a wonderful shopping complex. Well, to be fair, you know, we didn't really have much time to even go around the town because uh, we just go for a walk outside and uh, on the countryside. But on the other side, we went to the shopping mall maybe four times. Since we came in, because uh, since we moved, because uh, everything was on the lockdown straight away. So to be fair, I don't know uh, how, how. I think we enjoy our company. That's the most thing. Yeah, of course, absolutely. So I think there's tons I want to get through, but I think I'll start by taking you all the way back to your childhood. Born on the 18th of July, 1996, in Warsaw, in Poland. Um, what was what was life like in Poland growing up in the capital city? Um, amazing. I, I can't imagine myself living in a different city, to be fair, because uh, like now I can't live. But to be fair, I always want to go back there. And I want to live in Warsaw because it's my hometown. And basically, everything was great. Everything was there, what I, what I needed. Uh, for me, it's the best city. I, uh, I always want to live there and I love this city because it's my city. With Warsaw and your family and things like that, obviously there's been so many famous players came from that area. But did you come from like a, a football family or was football a hobby that you were just interested in? No, it's a really, really weird story to be fair because um, my, my dad is an engineer and he basically projects, design uh, gas stations, my mom is the same, uh, and I've got two other brothers. And basically, when I was four or five years old, we were playing football. Uh, one, my older brother, the oldest brother, it's 35 now. And uh, my second one is 26 in March. So basically, I was the baby. And uh, as the youngest one, you always end up in goal. <laughs> so we were going with other kids and I was the youngest one. So I always studying the goal. And after basically we chatted with our parents about it, with my middle middle brother, and basically we just asked them if we could join join football team. And uh, they were surprised. On the other side, they weren't surprised because we wanted to play football. And uh, basically on the other side, we did... We were in the sports school. We played football. Also, I did some gymnastics before. So I had the choice between when I got to age, I think I was 10, 11, somewhere around that. They gave me a choice, basically. You had to do football or gymnastics. And I, I, I ended up picking football. Good choice. Well, as you can see, yes. It's worked out. Absolutely. Um... As I was saying before, like uh, I've been lucky enough to visit Poland a few times. I've never actually been to Warsaw. I've been to, um, obviously, everyone's been to Krakow, I think, once or twice. Um, but I've been to a few different places in Poland. And I know the country itself is full of like football mad people. Um, but when was it that you first started like falling in love with football and watching it on telly like regularly with, um, you know, friends, family and things like that? 
I think it was first World Cup, I remember it was 2002 when Germany got to the final with Brazil. That was the first one I remember and since that I, I, I just loved it and I, we were playing football even at home, uh, yeah, basically with my brothers and since that I, I always enjoyed watching football, I always uh, was into football basically since 2002, so I was six years old. Were you watching um, sort of goalkeepers at that age or were you not sure that you wanted to be a goalkeeper? You maybe be an outfield player then? You know what? I can't really. I don't know. I basically, the uh, first one, first thing, I had a tryout in Lega Warsaw when I was like five years old. And you have to be really fast to get there. So my middle brother basically made it because he was really fast. And they said to me, oh, you, you'll never be a footballer because you are going to be... I was a bit chubby when I was younger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was fat, basically. <laughs> and they said to me, oh, you're never going to be a footballer because you are fat, you are this and that. So my mom told, told them, like, oh, listen, but he can stand staying up. They said, no, 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 we don't want him. Fine. And then we moved across the street. There was a different club. There was a boys playing football. It was called uh, Agricola. It was a small, like they are, they are basically, I think they train people until like age of 15, maybe. Uh, so it's like a school team, basically. Yeah. And basically, we went there and after first tournament, like I also wanted it straight away because I was really good as a goalkeeper. And uh, I just turned it down. I said, no, I don't want to. I, I don't want to go you, to, to you because you pied me off. Yeah. yeah, good choice though, to be fair. Like I wouldn't want to go somewhere where I didn't feel wanted either, but I suppose that's been a, because normally you'll speak to goalkeepers and they'll want to be a right back, a forward, a midfielder, and gradually someone to go back into being a goalkeeper. So you've always wanted to be a goalkeeper since you were quite young then. To be fair, yes, uh, because um, maybe I always sound a bit weird, but I never really liked to run. <laughs> and I just saw every training camp when we started the training camps, everyone was running and said, oh, goalkeepers, just do a little job or whatever. I was like, yeah, I'm fine with me. I just do that. So growing up, I could be wrong here um, and tell me off if I am, but were you a, a Legio Warsaw fan? I was, uh, to be fair, I, I, I wasn't really a fan of any team at this stage because uh, I was too young. I just wanted to play football with whoever with whoever basically and then my oldest brother was really big fan of Lego also he we lived in a neighborhood where, where everyone was supporting Lego also and then basically got to the stage when I went for I think it was I was eight years old first time I went to the stadium of Lego also and then I think it was game of uh, it's after Europa League, no, it was called the UEFA Cup. Oh, yeah. They qualifiers with FK Moscow. And then uh, basically I enjoyed it. But on the other side, then when I turned like 11, I, I was in a Polonia, also, which was completely opposite of Lega also. And then we got to the stage when I was supporting more Polonia also than Lega also because I was playing for them. But at this stage, I don't really... I'm not a supporter, to be fair. I, yeah. I don't really watch even Polish football, if I'm honest. Did you, because you were in like um, the process of becoming like a goalkeeper and being where you are now at that age, did you gravitate more towards individual footballers? Because um, my girlfriend's brother actually plays for Livingston Reserves. And when he was young, he gravitated towards like Cristiano Ronaldo and, and players like that. Um, as opposed to gravitating towards a specific team. He supports the team now, but it was because of the individuals in the team that he liked. Were you quite similar with that? You looked more to the players than the team? Yes, but to be fair, I haven't got my favourite um, favorite goalkeeper at this stage because <clears throat> I always watch all of them. I, I love to watch Neuer. I love to watch uh, Alisson with his feet. Okay, after the game yesterday, <laughs> No, he's good uh, apart from that. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, I love Buffon as well. A uh, few, few years back, I watched Oliver Kahn and even the fashion I watched. It's not some videos on YouTube, I found him. 
So basically, I try to take the best parts from each goalkeeper and take it and take it to my game, which I can, you know, basically just pick the bits from them and then improve my game by, by even small percentages. The first name that came to mind when I was thinking of Polish goalkeepers, you'll probably not be surprised to know, is, is Jerzy Dudek. Um, probably very different goalkeeper to some goalkeepers that you've mentioned before, but obviously I think when you were not really young, but younger, you would have seen him win the Champions League. He would have been in goal for Poland. The same with Arta Boric, who obviously played for Celtic and yeah. um, Southampton. When you see sort of players from your own country going on and winning major tournaments, do you tend to watch them more or did you more fixate on players that you felt were similar in style to you growing up? No, to be fair, I always supported Polish Polish uh, players and I remember I watched the game, the final in the Champions League with Liverpool against Milan and basically I really enjoyed it and I was so happy for Dudek that he he had an amazing game to be fair because he made a few outstanding saves and he saved two penalties as well, I think two yeah. or three. And basically I also of course I watched Polish goalkeepers too. Like Arthur Boris is one of the main I can call him an idol, if if, if I'm honest. Um, when I was growing up I always looked at him as like how amazing he was. And basically yeah, there, there is also um, Dudek was my first one, I would say. And then after Bowles was my second idol. And then with the time I just analyzed because we had, you know, internet and everything showed up. I had uh, more, more choices to make. And basically I started watch international goalkeepers. So when it comes to sort of you growing up and, um, you know, learning more experience in Poland, being with the, the youth teams that were over there and sort of your school teams, as you described before, then the move comes to, to Sunderland. Now, to some people, that might be relatively straightforward, but you moved to Sunderland quite young. So um, before I ask about the move, how did that actually happen? How did Sunderland get in contact with you and bring you over? When I played for my under-15 national team, uh, we played in Ireland, and uh, I think it was Northern Ireland. And then basically I, I played, I made my debut there. We won 3-0. Um, Sunderland after that invited me for for trials. I went for trials and it went really well. And afterwards, they offered me a contract. And at this stage, I was I think I was fifteen, just turning sixteen, and I was in that stage of like, should I go? Should I not go? But then I just thought, I just want to go. I just want to play football. It was always my dream that I want to play in England or. You know, basically, just to see if I had the big opportunity, I, I want to use it. Um, so I didn't really think about it. And I just said to my parents, I want to go. So they signed the papers and, and basically we just went. I just went, basically. And I don't regret it, to be fair. I was going to say, that's quite a big step because it's like people can understand if you want to be a footballer, why you would come to. Sunderland, who would have been, I think, in the Premier League at the time, but when you're 15, 16, and you're moving not just city, you're moving country, it took me till I was 23 before I left sort of my, the northeast of England to come to Scotland, and that's not too far, as we spoke about before, but you're moving two and a half hours on a plane away, so did it ever dawn on you how big of a move that would actually be for you, mentally? To be fair, to the Three first months, four months was really hard because I couldn't really get used to it, especially when I only knew basic words in English and I had I had um, the lessons um, like four hours a week. I had the lessons uh, to improve my English skills, and then but afterwards I just realized I went. I was a bit older. I was sixteen, and I just realized that if I want to play football, I have to take my chance and I just give the best shot I can. And basically, I just got to the stage when everything I forgot about because I, the football was my main main thing in life. You talked before about um, having lessons and, and coming over, and I probably maybe 
ignorantly expected you to have spoke English before you, you came over. Like, I suppose you're coming over, you would have been the only Polish player at that point in the academy, is that right? Yeah. So in terms yeah, but of... In Polish, at the, at the, I, knew, I had English lessons at, at school, but it's not the same because we all no. and grammar and stuff like this. But when you talk to someone, it's not the same. Yeah, it's totally you different. Have practice to, to basically get a touch with someone who tell you how to speak in English. Yeah. So it's... I could understand people, but I couldn't talk to them. Especially when you come to a city that's got like a, a really strong accent in, in Sunderland. Like it's not a yeah, Queen's English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not the Queen's English. You're absolutely right. Um so when it comes to Sunderland as a club, I suppose there's gotta be a lot of welfare coming in there, because you know, you're sixteen years old, you don't speak maybe English to a point where you can have a conversation, you've came over on your own as well. What kind of things did the, the club do to kind of help you integrate and make sure that you as an individual mentally were okay? Um, basically, I think the, the main person who was looking after me in Sunderland was Mark Cruz, um, goalkeeper coach from Academy. Basically, he just helped me with everything. Uh, also, I had um, English lessons, which I, which I mentioned before. Um, everything else they just helped me out with. If I had a problem to understand some documents or paperwork or whatever, I always ask someone in the club and they always were helpful to me. And what I really like about United Kingdom, no one laughs at you when you're making mistakes when you speak, because they know, for example, it's not your first language. And as a, as a person for me, when they come to England, they always expect, like, oh, well, they are scared to talk because if they make a mistake, they're going to be like laughed at, which is not true because English people understand, like in, in general, UK people understand that it's not your first language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I was surprised by it because I, so I was, to be fair, I was scared to talk for first, I don't know, few months. I, I will say, no, yes, fine, that's it. I wasn't even talk to anyone. Where did you live in Sunderland? Did you live in a specific area or did you have like digs as you would call it with the other players? For the first two years I lived in a digs with uh, two other boys um, and then after when I turned up 18 I moved to like just close to city centre area. A club, club found me a flat which I could rent and then I just decided to live on my own. Awesome. Did you, I'm asking you a question here that I know for a fact you're going to have to answer right, but how much did you enjoy living in Sunderland? Because I'm, I'm from Sunderland, so I know what a wonderful place it is and it gets talked down a lot, but you've lived there as someone from, not from Sunderland, so how much did you enjoy it? Before there was everything I needed and I never really had a, like Newcastle was really close, Durham was really close and basically everything, what I needed at this time, everything was there. Um, to be fair, probably I haven't seen everything which I could see, like around area of Gateshead and stuff like that. But I really enjoyed it, to be fair. That team that you came up with, I'm pretty certain would have been your age group. I could be wrong. I think Lyndon Gooch would have been in the same team as you at points, but was a few years older. Yes. It would have, would it have been Elliot Embleton, Josh Madger, uh, Joel Osoro? I, I was with them, but I was already... 21, 22, so they were just stepping up. So they were just a few years below you then. So yeah. what, what players were in your age group when you were coming through the academy? Mika Marjon, George Honeyman, uh, Linda Butch, Josh Robson, Tommy Robson, uh, Tom Beedling, Martin Smith. Who else was there? Jo Josh Marjon joined in uh, later on. And Elliot Templeton was there too. Um, I can't really remember all of It's them. funny you mentioned the team though. It's like my next question was going to be how good was the academy itself? And the, all those players that you've mentioned, some of them play for Sunderland or play a level above where Sunderland are or have a career. So every single player you mentioned there has effectively at this moment in time made it as a professional footballer. So how good is the academy that so many of those players became, you know, part and parcel of a, a football team? 
shows like the numbers of the people who made it who are still playing football. So it tells you that Sunderland has got really good coaches and academy. So I would say it's really it's really like improved over the ages and uh, I enjoyed everything in the academy and I enjoyed professionalism from the people. So I wasn't really surprised that so many people from the my group age are playing football, professional football. Who was the, like, and I don't mean nowadays, I mean like when you were playing with them, but who was the most talented player? Maybe it doesn't have to be, say, Madra, who's played the highest level at the moment. Who was the one that you would have imagined would go on to be the best from the team that you played with? I would say Mika Madra. He was like the striker, like he was a striker, and I thought he was talented. And basically he gave everything what he could to to be the striker and I really enjoyed talking to him, I really enjoyed spending time with him and as a, as a guy he was excellent with me and uh, yeah, he, I probably would say there, there was also like George Honeyman was talented and to be fair he made lots of things with hard work too mm-hmm. so you, you have to understand that talent doesn't mean that you're going to make it because Talent without the hard work is not going to work. And basically, in my eyes, if you are talented, you have to work even harder to make sure that you are the best you can be. Absolutely. Um, George Raymond obviously went on to, to captain Sunderland the year that you became part of the squad. Could you see from the character that he was, even when he was young, that he had captain material? Because he's, he's obviously captain at Hull at the moment as well. Yeah, yeah. I could see that to be fair, and throughout the yeah, I remember there was few few like even like when we were training twenty threes and whatever, he was shouting at people. He he had that desire to make someone work harder. So yeah, he was a leader material, I would say. And talking about Lyndon Gooch, we all see him as like a the Californian Mackin these days. Because um, he lived there for that long, he's got a, a son and accent now. But I suppose in the same way, he moved even younger than you did over to uh, Sunland. But he would have came from a similar mindset of you, you know, moving over from a different country entirely. So were you quite close with him because of that? I think yes, because I think everyone was close to me, and I uh, I lived next to Mika Madu and John Honeyman, so they were my neighbours. They lived in the same block of flats. At, at for first year or two, yeah. And so the best contact I had with them, and then yeah, with all the international players, I found uh, like language with them because I know how hard it it was for them to move out from country to another country, and basically, I don't know, maybe I, that's why we found the language with each other. Yeah, like a common bond with it. That's what I was thinking, and we talked a little bit off air about this beforehand um you mentioned the final and it was that we lost 5-0 but the run itself considering the teams that were in that tournament i think it was the under 23 international tournament you went on this crazily good run where you played obviously you were in goal major asoro up front um honeyman in midfield gooch on the right what what are your memories of that was that like a culmination of all the years you'd put in in the academy I would say yes, but on the other side, I'm disappointed that I think we could have even achieved more. I think we could easily win the win, won the league. We could, could have won the league, but yeah, but the final. If you if we would have won the final, it would be different. But in my eyes, it just shows you that we had a really good team at the, at this point, and as you mentioned before, most of the team still plays as a professional footballer. Yeah, absolutely. With the um, the game itself, you touched on it before as well, sort of off air. Um, there was 27,000 there, I think, that night. Now, I think it was 27. It was, a, it was a fair amount. I remember it being a relatively big crowd. And Sunderland have done that over the years when the game's been at the Stadium of Light. We've, we've took big sets of fans to watch sort of the under-23 teams and as it would have been under-21 back in the day. That would have been probably the biggest crowd you played in front of at that point. Does that give you sort of an extra motivation to make sure that you make it when you play in front of that many people? 
the main motivation for me was that we are in the final, to be fair. And uh, I was focused on, on performing really well. Mm -hmm. And basically, when I saw the crowd, it made that even motivation. I think for me, it was even bigger because I knew that people are watching and I was so happy that so many came. Maybe if it came like 100 people, we would have won the game. Who knows? Because I don't know how other people reacted to, to the big crowd. Because it was a big crowd and sometimes that can, especially when you're young and you're learning. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. But I think everyone was <clears throat> everyone was quite proud of the team that they'd got that far. But I suppose individually, losing a final is still losing a final. Like you said, you'd, you'd rather be remembered for winning it, I guess. But that's a good mindset to have, as I'm sure you know. Um, the good thing about that run in the team was, as much as the first team was suffering, I think at that point we were... I think we got relegated, no? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that was. <laughs> yeah. Was that the Was that the Premier League season when we got relegated? I think so. We won the like we became second in, in the league and runners up of international cup, and I think we got relegated. Yes, it was. That's right, because we had the gold. The gold trim on the strip was the season we got relegated. Yes, it was. You're absolutely 100 percent correct. So things were not, should we say, things weren't working um, on the pitch for the first team and. Naturally, when you come down to the championship, more players go out of the door, a lot more younger players come to the fore. And, and George Honeyman and Linda Gooch were two of the players that really came to the fore. But you start getting part of the squad at that point as well. Did you feel that when you were in that run for the under 23 team and you were like the number one for them, that you were going to get more of a chance when the team got relegated? Uh, to be fair, yes. My expectations were a bit higher. Uh, at this stage, um, Simon Grayson came up. I went for a training cup with the first team, uh, a few were in Austria, if I remember it well. And then we came back. I played a few friendly games. And Simon Grayson came to me and just said, Oh, you need experience in, uh, in football, in um, senior football. Uh, so my agent worked hard to get me a move to, on a loan, a loan move to one of the Polish Premier League side. And on the last day of the transfer window, they gave me a choice between either staying in under 23 team in Sunderland or going to League 2 at Winston. And I asked them, how about that Polish, Polish team? And all there is an offer. They all said to me, no, you're not going anywhere else. You're either going to League 2 side or you're staying in something. So I decided to go to I couldn't understand me and basically I picked up injury in the first 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 game. And I I, I just came back after six months because I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't enjoy experience of sitting on a bench. Um, I even preferred to play maybe a bit lower or with Jenny Freeze. Yeah, because I think it, it like you say it was the first game. Was it was it a knee injury? Am I making that up? Was that? What was your injury in the injury at Accrington Stanley? What was it that? Yeah, you... that was my hamstring. Yes, oh, that's correct. And then you kind of didn't get another chance after that. And like you see, you came back to the squad. But I remember, and this also is my, my, my recovery was supposed to be three weeks. After three weeks, um, after two weeks, everything was fine. I went to training again. I picked it up again, so from three months it changed, no, sorry, from three weeks injury it changed to like two months, two and a half months. By the time you would have came back to Sunderland, Grayson had gone um, by that point and, and Chris Coleman had came in. And I'm, I'm going to try and be maybe as respectful as I can to the goalkeepers that were playing for Sunderland at the time, but they weren't performing very well, in, in fact, very badly. Um, you were coming back from an injury, had a good season in the under 23s. Were you frustrated you didn't get more of a chance under Chris Coleman? Of course, I was frustrated. Um, but basically, I don't know, because I, I was frustrated. I wanted to play, and basically, I knew I was ready for my chance. But unfortunately, I didn't get my chance. And that frustration is a good word. Yeah, I can imagine because it was one of those seasons where, you know, sometimes when a goalkeeper's playing well, you just say, well, especially, what can I do? Especially when goalkeepers are not really performing. You that could say that. 
yeah, they were. It was really bad. If we're completely honest, they were going through a really bad period at that point. Um, but as it was, you know, we came to the summer and a lot of things changed. Uh, not so, so to speak, the ownership, the manager, everything changed effectively, including the division that we were in. Um, I don't know if you can remember this, and I remember that we all felt quite positive about it. But yourself and the other academy players that were on the brink of the first team, did you feel that you were? going to be part of the squad a lot more because of the new ownership and the way it felt positive? Did you feel that it was going to be a good thing for you, the new ownership and the new manager? It sounded like, yeah. Yeah. But from the perspective of uh, the new owners, yes, it sounded like everything is going to be great. They're going to give chance to young players. And uh, of course they did to some of them. Uh, for example, if my individual case, they didn't give me a chance. So, yeah, but to be fair, I don't know. It's hard to really understand some specific in terms of mechanism inside the uh, staff and ownership because it's it's just frustrating as well. Because at this stage, I was really good. I was uh, giving my best in training as always. Uh, I proved everything. I've given. After a few games, I played a few friendly games. I think I kept, in every game, I kept, I think, clean sheet when I played. And then even Likatomo said to me, like, Max, you have to start. You have to start the season. And I was like, oh, I might have a chance. And then it came to the Middlesbrough game, which I knew was going to be the last game before season starts. And I'm not even in the squad. So I was like, like what's going on? So I went to the goalkeeper coach uh, and I asked him like, what's, what is going on? He just said to me like, go and ask manager. So I went to his office. I asked him like, why am I not even on the bench? I think I should be on the bench. I proved to you that I'm better than other other players and I proved what I'm worth. Uh, and I don't want to go to details for what else I said, but on the other side, he just said to me, like, uh, not experienced. And that would have been Jack Ross at the time. Um, he said something even different, but I don't know if I can tell you. Yeah, that's fine. No, I appreciate that. Um, as it was, you, you actually did get into the squad sort of numerous times um, when Jack Ross was there. And I think, unfortunately for you, it would have been maybe when Robin White was injured, which kind of felt probably quite frustrating for you because I bet you wish you would have been, like you said before, on the bench a lot more than that. Um, but you got part of the squad at that point and you touched on Lee Catamore before. Which individuals within the Sunderland team, like experienced players, could you rely on for advice such as Lee Catamore? But in League One or in general in Sunderland? I suppose both. Um, feel free in League One, but I suppose in general as well at the same time, that would be quite... So, definitely West Brown, John O'Shea, Yep. Um, also Glenn, Glenn Lovrens. Um, who else was there? I think all of them were really, but I think four of them, which I called, they were like main, main people. With them? Um, as a goalkeeper was Simon Mignola, for example, Kieran Westwood, um, Vita Manola too. Which was so? Which goalkeeper did you from your time at Sunderland? Which go, goalkeeper did you take the most from? Because we had, we talked about bad goalkeepers, but we had some really good goalkeepers during that time as well. I think first thing, first one was Simon Mignolet. Of course, he just got moved to Liverpool straight after the good season. Um, afterwards, Jordan Pickford, of course. Yeah. Uh, Peter Manone. I think I don't want to like. I think I, I took everything. I, I took bits from everyone. Yeah. But on, that just if I had to call two main ones, probably Jordan Pickford and Simon Miller. Yeah, both great goalkeepers as well. Not bad people to take advice from, I guess. Um, when it comes to you being in that squad at that point, one of the moments that you were in the squad was you were on the bench at Wembley for the League One player final. Now, 
when you're a goalkeeper sometimes and you're, you're on the substitutes fence, I can imagine you've got to be so prepared just in case something happens. And obviously John McLaughlin played that day. But what is it like being a goalkeeper that's going to be on the bench that day? How do you prepare yourself for such a huge game? I wasn't really, like, it was weird as well because three, four days before the final, playoff final, I received a message of, you will be on a bench because I was like, from goalkeeper coach at this time, you will be on a bench on, I think it was Saturday, whatever day that was. And I was like, oh, I just sent laughing, laughing emojis because I thought he's joking. Yeah. And then he just said, called me and said, why are you laughing at? You're on a bench. I was like, how come? Uh, Robin, Robin done something with his, with his toe, broke his toe. I was like, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'll be on the bench. But to be fair, no, I wasn't really preparing any other than to, to any other game. Because I think in football, every game is so important for you. And you have to prepare for every game the same way as you prepare for, for any game. Because you always be remembered how well you play in the last game. So you have to make sure that you're preparing for every game the same. And whoever you play, you have to perform to the yeah. best you can. With the... I mean, I remember as a fan, obviously, it was a very deflating day, exhausting day, truth be told. Um, you're in the dressing room afterwards, probably frustrated at the season in general because you haven't got the chance that you wanted. But you've also got... a a bunch of individuals there all together who's just lost the most important game of the season in the last minute. And um, what was the dressing room like after that? Was it quiet? Did anyone speak? I remember maybe two people shouted something, but afterwards, for maybe for a minute, and then afterwards, the silence, no one even talked. Was it? Because obviously I imagine because you came to Sunderland at a young age, you'd been there five, six years at that point. You gravitated towards being a Sunderland fan, I would assume, at that point, because you'd been there that long. Did you, like, how did you feel individually when that when that goal went in? Maybe, yeah, first of all, I just felt emptiness inside myself. And uh, that's all I felt. At, at first minute, I couldn't understand what happened. And I think emptiness is the good word because I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards, I just felt sad. Same. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Just thinking back, I'm like, oh God, why did I even go back to that memory? Um, but as it was, you know, you, you moved to Eastleigh uh, shortly afterwards after spending time out on loan there. I think um, from the outside looking in, it looked like you kind of got your, your swagger back a little bit after maybe a difficult end to your Sunderland career. But looking back, you know, at the level where you're at now, Eastleigh maybe is a lot lower than, and no disrespect to Eastleigh, but a lot lower than where you're at at the moment. How important was it for you getting first team football at that stage in your career, even if it was in the, the conference? Well, I just thought I wanted to play football and I had a few offers from, from League One in Poland, but basically I just turned it down. I just said, I've got a better chance of going in the fifth division of England and trying to go step up after a year than I've got coming back to Poland and trying to get something there. So it was a bit risky for me, but I just I decided that I'm going to take this route. And it worked for me, for example, as you can see now I'm in a Living, I'm at Livingston in a Scottish Premiership, so I'm really happy. Yeah, no, it definitely seemed to work. I was going to say, you know, on your time at Eastleigh, you seemed to really enjoy yourself when you were there. I remember I kind of kept tabs on, on what you were doing. I remember you went through a big phase of just getting loads of clean sheets and saving a few penalties and things like that, which, of course, you did on, on Sunday as well. But um, how much did you enjoy your time at Eastleigh then? Well, to be fair, I really enjoyed it. And, but to be fair... I thought it's a bit low to me. I just felt sometimes I was maybe maybe arrogant is a bad word, but like disrespectful towards people, like teams, in terms of like, oh, I'm better than this. And I just was overconfident. 
Yeah. And then that overconfidence, then, for example, I made a few mistakes too, like, you know, and I think it was because I was overconfident. And then we got to the stage when I was thinking, I'm better than this, and I want to make a move somewhere else. And then, of course, Livingston come calling. Um, Livingston, for people who don't know, is a fantastically well-run club. Like, I have a little soft spot for Livingston being close to my home. But um, when did you first hear about Livingston's interest, and could you have gone to any other clubs? To be fair, they call, they call, my agent called me uh, last, last year, about April. I just asked my agent if he could get me a club. And I, I just mentioned some, something like, oh, Scottish Premiership would be good. And after a month, he just called me, oh, if it's a trial, do you want to go for a trial? I said, yeah, of course, I want to go for trials. Livingstone called week after. So about May, June, they called. And I went for a trial. And they really liked me, so I signed the contract. So it worked out all right. <laughs> um... When when you joined Livingston, obviously you're still, you know, we're not talking that long ago. We're talking less than six months ago. Livingston had just re-signed um, Robbie McCrory from Rangers, obviously, who you're competing with for number one. And one of the most talented goalkeepers in Scotland, highly rated, had a great season at Livingston. You both competed for the number one slot this year with you playing more games. But how good is it for you as an individual to have such a good other goalkeeper, maybe be at number two, as your competition, does that keep you sharp? Yeah, basically, uh, like as you mentioned before, Robbie is a really good goalkeeper and he's highly rated. Um, I think it keeps me on, he keeps me on the toes that I have to perform every day. And uh, he mo- motivates me, of course, um, because we want, as a goalkeeper, you want to play and there is only one spot you can. Um, during the you know in a match day you can only play one goalkeeper. So yeah, Robbie started the season. The team wasn't doing doing so well, and then I waited for my chance and I just took my chance and hope hopefully I will be I will be playing every game. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, um, just with Robbie as well. Like I was saying, I think it's a total testament to yourself because I know how highly rated Robbie is. A lot of my family are Rangers fans. I'm particularly fond of Rangers. Um, and I know how highly Robbie is rated, but you work with him every single day. How good do you think Robbie could be? He's got the abilities to be a really good goalkeeper. And I think he could easily play in England, whatever level he wants to play. But everything it's depending, depends on him. Yeah. Uh, because if he works the way he works now, in the future, he, he will be wherever he wants to be. Yeah. He's got to be a really good goalkeeper. Yeah. And from what I've seen, he's obviously, I can see why he's so highly rated. And um, I can see why a lot of clubs do go to Livingston as well to kind of get that game time. But your debut was actually against Rangers. Now, for people who might not watch the Scottish Premiership as much as I do, you're still the only goalkeeper to not concede a goal at the time of speaking to Rangers. You're the only one that's kept the clean sheet against Rangers. And the smile on your face tells me that you know that. Um, how much? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, because uh, we were just laughing from it yesterday in the training room. They said to me, just frame yeah. and put it over your bed that you cut clean sheet against Rangers. <laughs> You're the only one that's done it, though, isn't it? Let's be, let's be fair. Rangers have had a tremendously good season. And I remember watching the game because I remember thinking, oh, oh, Max is playing. And I'm thinking, all oh, right, that's because obviously Robbie would have been. Uh, not cup tied, but he's can't play against his parent team. But then he kept the clean sheet. And at the time, that was, I think, the fourth game of the season. Um, maybe people wouldn't realise how much of a good performance that was from the entire team and you yourself. But how much confidence did the game against Rangers give you? Before I was preparing for it for, 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 for a while, because I knew I'm going to get a chance against Rangers. And I knew I had to be on it because it's Rangers. It's yeah. like they amazing season and I knew they a big massive team and uh, basically I, ha- I knew that I have to perform. Uh, as a team we played really well. Uh, I can't really, really remember, I think we had only one shot on target so that tells you how we defended our box uh, and of course like 
I made one save from kicking free kick, but that was yeah. really easy. So as a team, we played really, really, really great football. I'm not saying we had massive opportunities in front, but we defended everything. Yeah, I, I mean, I watched I watched the full game. I remember exactly the free kick. Like, I think it was Bar- was it Barisic from the free kick. Yeah, but... yeah, it was Barisic. So it was. Now, obviously, living in Scotland, I get to see a little bit more of the Scottish Premiership. And one of my favourite characters in the Scottish Premiership for me, even though I've never met him, is is Marvin Bartley. I find him funny guy that talks really good about football. He's your captain. Um, how do you find Marvin? He's my neighbour too. Oh yeah, <laughs> keep you, keep your friends yeah. close. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, yeah, he's an amazing guy, and basically he laughs all the time. He uh, he makes sure that the attitude around the people is raised and, and everything. Like he's basically a great lad, and basically he makes drugs. He knows where is the time to say something stronger. He knows. He's in football like really long as well, so he got experience where he can shout at people. He knows when you need a support. He just knows them things. So as a person, he's really good. As a captain, he's great. So for, I can't really tell you more. How, how what is he like as a neighbor though? Is he is he playing music loud? <laughs> as a neighbor, uh, yeah. All the time. Good. <laughs> Um, now, talking about characters at, at Livingston, one of my favourite people this season, I just really like him. I can't put my finger on what it is, I just do. You were signed by Gary Holt, but you've played the majority of your football under David Martindale, who just seems like a brilliant guy. Um, how good of a person and how good of a manager is David Martindale? He's a great person. I think uh, whatever happened in the past is the past, and I think we have to make sure that we don't judge the book by its cover. And uh, to be fair, at the start, I didn't even know that he had a past. And uh, basically, he was straightforward with me, really honest guy. He just said to me, you've got a chance. If you take it, you take it. That's up to you. And I really like him as a person. He he always find a solution for things you need in terms of like my personal life. He also knows exactly how to talk to people. So sometimes he's straightforward with you, sometimes he's brutally honest with you. But I just I just love him as well. In terms of managers that you've played under, obviously you're still very young. There's a lot of career left there. But where does he rank in terms of managers that you've played under so far? Is he the best? I would say so. At, the, at this stage, because maybe I didn't have much to do with uh, Sunderland managers uh, in terms of when I was younger, of course, I've seen them, I chatted with them, but like nothing really serious because I wasn't really playing. But at this stage, yes, I would okay. say he's the best I have. Do you think, um, obviously, you know, we're looking at Livingston's season and I was looking at the table um, yesterday and there is a there's a chance here that Livingston started the season not in the best of form and that long unbeaten run that you've gone on could potentially get you, in my opinion, into the top four. Is that your team's target? Do you think with Martindale you can hit top four this season? Is that where you're aiming? We are aiming for top four, but to be fair, the last game against St. Johnson's set us a bit down, but on the other side, we know we are capable of reaching that top four and I think our goal is top four to try to qualify for Europe. And... Yeah, that'd be great. And I think it's definitely achievable. It's, it's been a remarkable run. And as you said at the time of speaking, obviously it came to an end against St. Johnson, but 13 games unbeaten in, in any league is, is fantastic. Um, you've got a cup final coming up. How excited are you for the cup final? I just hope we win it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, I'm really excited. Everyone is excited in the club. and. Uh, it's just we are so happy that we are in the final and we just have to go and win it and we can enjoy everything afterwards. You know, we talked about um, you playing in front of a lot of fans when you were at Sunderland as a sort of a younger player. Technically, the game, the semi-final and the final would have in normal circumstances been played in, you know, much more fans um, in a national stadium and it would have been amazing. 
how weird is it being in Hamden Park when there's nobody there and you've just got yourself to a final? Um, to be fair, you know what? Um, it's different. Of course it's different because you don't really feel that you are playing a real game. I think some of the players might feel like you are play, playing a friendly game on a bigger stadium. But on the other side, everyone knows that, for example, we play semi-final there and we know that we are playing final. So, of course, it would be better with fans. But on the other side, the circumstances are we fans are not allowed in and we just have to go with it and make sure that whoever is watching us on the TV, hopefully we just make, make people happy who are watching us from home. Absolutely. Um... I've got to be honest and say that, you know, from the outside looking in, it seems like you're absolutely loving your time at Livingston. I think you signed a three-year contract, correct with that? Yes. Um, is this the happiest you've been in your career? At this stage, yes, because um, I know that I've, that I've found place who who is not lying, first of all, who is honest with me, who is straightforward with me, who doesn't tell me one thing and does the other thing. And uh, at this stage, I'm really happy because I started to play football and basically I'm, I'm, I'm making my dreams come true. Awesome. It's good to hear that as well. It's good to see. Um, so I suppose my final question, what is the future for yourself? Do you look as far as international recognition getting into the Poland squad? I would love to, but... Uh, First of all, I, I concentrate on, on on a daily basis to <clears throat> to training well and to basically perform every game which I'm taking part in uh, to the best I can. And then who knows what is going to happen with them. Fingers crossed. But, uh, it's, it's, to be fair, it's my dream and it is my goal, future goal. I would like to be in a part of national team. Of course. Awesome. Max, thanks so much for your time. Um, it's nice to see you doing so well. It's nice to see that you're getting a chance and you're working under a great manager that I have a lot of time for and, and like a lot. Um, and of course, you've got the snow to keep yourself company at the moment, much like I do. So it's great to see you doing well. But thanks for coming on, Max. Appreciate it. Thank you.